Hello and welcome to Dialogue, the Diapoint podcast. I'm your host, Pam Durant. Today I will be speaking with Dr. Sarper Tanley, who is an experienced senior healthcare executive with years of experience in the GCC region. He has worked for many years in different models of healthcare, even those that were once considered alternative before COVID-19, including digital health and home health care. And actually, in this episode, I am going to speak to him about telemedicine. He is the founder of DigiNova Health Solutions, which is located in Dubai. He is also trained as a medical doctor. He has a master's in healthcare and administration, and he also has a PhD in healthcare management as well. About a year ago, when we were all in lockdown here in Dubai, I started a series where I interviewed several experts about different topics, largely focusing on diabetes. But I also interviewed Dr. Sarper Tanley at that time about telemedicine because many people were asking a lot of questions about it. Some people had never heard of it before, even though telemedicine had been around for many years. And some doctors and clinics were embracing it. But because we were not able to get out and go to clinics, many places started to use it or started to think about using it. And I'm happy to say now that more and more do. Um, but this discussion, although a little bit technical at times, gives you a lot of insight to the power of what exactly telemedicine can do. We talk about what it is, how it can support treatment in diabetes and other conditions. And also we talk about what we need to know and how to prepare when our doctor suggests a telemedicine consultation. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you everyone for joining us today. I am Pamela Durant, the founder and managing director of Diapoint Middle East, uh, the place for people with diabetes. And as we're all sitting here working from home in light of COVID-19, I thought it would be really nice to speak about telemedicine because that's something that affects people with diabetes, but it will affect every single one of us and how we interact with our doctors, nurses, and other healthcare providers in the future. And I thought, what better person to ask to come and speak with me today in this webinar series um, Dr. Cyper Tanley, he's been in the region working, well, in Dubai for 16 years, um, before that working in Turkey and the U.S., and he has a very deep background in healthcare technology, and I will turn it over to him so he can further introduce himself, and then we'll, we'll start our discussion about telemedicine. Great. Thank you, Pam. Uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining. I hope that it will be a good, um, interactive session for all of us. Little more on what Pam said. Um, and actually, I'm a physician and trained, but I've been in healthcare management for 28 years, and half of it here in, in more than half of it actually in the region, uh, mostly in the management side. So I'm not a practicing physician. Just a disclaimer: I'm not an endocrinologist or infection control specialist, but been uh, probably in many uh, projects in the region that you, some of you probably use as a healthcare facility from like Dubai Healthcare City. I was uh, instrumental to set up that place and Dubai Medi Medical Center, Valiant Clinic, many others to count. Uh, but last three years, my interest switched to new ways of doing things in terms of healthcare services, how we can bring the services to people uh, much more efficiently uh, and much more effectively 
and uh, therefore that I had a chance to work heavily in the region again, not only for Dubai but Saudi Arabia and uh, Kuwait and other places to work on uh, services at home or out of hospital or out of a clinic and using different technologies to be able to do that. So as a person, I guess, is the, uh, it, it been there, done that, and still working on it very heavily, hopefully that my um, experience of what I know and what's coming up in the healthcare space for all of us to utilize and use for ourselves and for our loved ones, hopefully will be helpful. Thank you. Okay, so why don't we just start with a general overview? Some people in this call um, are in healthcare and have a healthcare background. Others are not working in the healthcare sector. So, and I think for even those of us that do work in the healthcare sector, there's a lot of confusion around what exactly is telemedicine. Yeah, that's very good. Actually, telemedicine, uh, quite a large terminology, on, uh, covers many different services under it. Because when we say telemedicine, been around for many, many years, and it started with more of physician to physician connectivity. So uh, when uh, you need a specialist or a much more uh, subspecial person to look into certain uh, diagnosis or care plan, we usually used to connect. And, and there's still an existing services, of course, for that. And so we call, we call it really pr- practitioner to practitioner telemedicine services. And a perfect example of it is uh, that when you have uh, your X-ray taken or MRI, that really uh, MR specialist, that uh, radi- radiologist, might be sitting somewhere else, might be in India or South Africa or Europe and in many different places. So that's really a part of telemedicine. A lot of uh, academic medical centers, uh, a lot of uh, small centers but want to really provide good quality care, use that technology to make sure that they have a subspecialty area to be able to provide. So that goes under telemedicine. And some of you probably know it, that when you go to a clinic or diagnostic center, that they have a telemedicine service or not. But you can ask always that if they have such services to go to the uh, subspecialty area when it comes to uh, very much of a certain some chronic diseases or some critical illnesses to really make sure that they are the ones actually getting the second opinion, not you. So that goes under telemedicine. It requires a quite high level technology connectivity and all that. The other one is uh, more on the very much of a finally in UAE uh, came into effect in our lives lately with COVID-19, which is teleconsultation. Teleconsultation is you to get on the tele by the name uh, on the phone or on a video call like this uh, to talk to the physician to be able to get their feedback in terms of your complaints. So the reason I said finally, because the, uh, there are other uh, countries in UK, um, uh, in U- Europe, and of course in the US, that was a quite widely uh, used uh, services in last, specifically last five years or so, and because there are regulations in place. And last year we had a regulations and now with COVID-19, it was opened up because there was some, a lot of red tapes from the government. And now that, that service is available. And we'll talk more about that. I think it's very important to discuss later that what, what exactly that uh, teleconsultation works, how does that work? Because when you talk about that technology, you're in the front of a screen, not only the physician, obviously you can work with many different healthcare professionals, your nutritionists, your uh, education uh, specialists, 
and a nurse and diabetes nurse and everybody else that in the circle of providing the care uh, could be online working with you for the care plan. So we'll talk more about that, how it works, how, what we need to look for. The third category that I'll call it is the telemonitoring. Telemonitoring is, is under still telemedicine or telehealth. It's that we, uh, as a healthcare uh, specialist, use certain devices to see what's going on with you at home or wherever you are. So those are possible with specific devices that either uh, helps you to test whatever uh, that we're looking at to that day or uh, small mm-hmm. devices that basically part of your connected to your body that measures regularly your uh, biological uh, data. I'll give you an examples that uh, actually uh, Fitbits, in a sense that you use, if it is connected to someone that someone can look at it, that data, and I give you a feedback, it becomes telemonitoring. If it Fitbit stays, data stays with you, it's your self-monitoring, right? Uh, but better example of this is for specific for diabetes is glucometers. So probably, some of you maybe know that there are technology and glucometers available. This is like very old technology actually for the last 20 years, maybe more. With the Bluetooth technology, whenever you measure the blood sugar, blood glucose, that data can go to front of a, a, a specialist, either um, your nurse educator or f- physician, to look at the data on a real-time basis, can really divide that what needs to be done, uh, decide what needs to be done in terms of your care for that day and for a long term as well. And if you think of this, and then there are many different devices that we're able to add on to this because of the technology is embedded in healthcare now. Think of it, uh, blood pressure cuff. I can check your blood pressure whenever you measure it at home. I can see it. Scale. Whenever you get on a scale, I can see it specifically for obesity or congestive heart failure that we measure the weightage on a daily basis is very important. Or uh, specifically these days, uh, your temperature. And whenever you measure your temperature or someone under suspicion of quarantine, uh, obviously temperature is important to monitor. I can see it every time that you measure it or that person. Uh, we can see what's happening with that person. We can expand that more for now. Obviously, COVID-19 is a respiratory disease. The measurements of the our oxygenation is important. Pulse oximeter we use to measure the oxygen level in the blood. And we can see that whenever you measure it. And your lung capacity by spirometers, that simple device in our hand, then we can connect and device. So literally that you can think of any device that we can use at home with us that could be monitored and those under and telemonitoring, hence that we call it telemedicine. And we just had a question come in the chat. And please feel free anytime if you have a question, just pop it down in the chat box. Is an in-home ultrasound scan done by a sonographer at home and sent to the doctor considered as telemonitoring? It is considered as telemonitoring. And that perfect definition, uh, as you uh, in the question is, is uh, done by ultrasonographer is important here. However, there are also new technology in place coming, not in the market yet, uh, that uh, using artificial intelligence that you can do the ultrasonograph by yourself uh, with the guidance of the device 
and using certain data to help the uh, physician, the other side, to be able to read that ultrasonography. And so, but today, of course, with ultrasonograph going to the physician is under telemedicine. So it sounds like almost any condition could be monitored or could be beneficial from having telemedicine. So to break it off into, like you said, the, the physician to patient, I just want to focus on that piece for, for a minute. So because now, lately, particularly in, in Dubai, we're getting text messages, we're getting emails from our clinics and hospitals saying, hey, we now have telemedicine, schedule your appointment. And if we work in healthcare, we might have an idea of what that means. But what, what does that really mean? What can I expect if I've been going to a clinic and I've been seeing a doctor and suddenly I have a message and they say, we're going to have your next appointment through telemedicine, could you just kind of give us an idea of the steps of what to expect from that process? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that Dubai is a, a good example because it's a, 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 now it's a controlled example. So I, I was always worried about that the the need sometimes to be able to communicate to the doctor is always there. And some doctors do that through WhatsApp messaging. If the WhatsApp uh, video was open in UAE, it would have been also possible and do that on the, on the video too. Uh, I was always worried about that. If it is simple, quick questions and checking in maybe is okay. But when it comes to a medical consultation, and without recording and that, not necessarily recording the call, but recording the results of it somewhere is extremely dangerous in terms of your or medical course of actions. So, so I will tie into the question. One of the things must be when you have online visit or televisit with the physician is a basically a consultation. Instead of going to a clinic, you're doing that visit online, and we have to make sure that a physician or the clinic is using uh, an approved solution that is applicable to be able to collect medical information that goes into your medical records. So uh, the personal or medical information protection comes very important, as in, in Europe for the GDPR, which is data protection rules, and here as well in UAE. Uh, so not every uh, solution that should be used, like for example, I wouldn't use Zoom for physician consultation. It needs to be, uh, a physician needs to be able to uh, put your complaints and to be able to also prescribe medicine. So that's a very important point. Not every country that a physician's online consultation allows to provide a prescription. Uh, but UAE is a unique country, one of the not many in the world, that physicians can write prescription. So in UAE, when you have a teleconsultation with the proper place and with the physician, they will be able to provide you a prescription and you will be able to get that prescription <coughs> by your insurance company. And some of the insurance actually now paying for uh, televisit, uh, uh, teleconsultation. And hopefully, maybe even depends on the insurance or your pharmacy, they can even deliver to your home. So we actually now start to see the full circle of providing that uh, service uh, online. But also there are limitations, right? Uh, not everybody or every case that could be uh, uh, consulted on the phone uh, because there are limitations. So what we're looking at in the video consultation or teleconsultation with the physician is more like a primary care, like your first 
uh, you know, uh, immediate needs that you might need to uh, ask a question. For example, you might have a runny nose and a little bit of headache, and that usually that with the, you know the body ache, etc. The things that you want to go check in the clinic, like quick check and what's happening with me. Those are the things probably right to consult with the, uh, in the teleconsultation now. So not every condition will be. So the physician actually, based on your complaints, should tell you that you should really go see a physician in the hospital, real uh, face-to-face exam, and it will be necessary. Uh, and also maybe still go see the specialist, or maybe they will recommend to go to the emergency room. Depends on your condition. Uh, but so- good news is here. Yeah, sorry. Am I sorry? No, no. So then that leads me to then a question. Yeah. If telemedicine is used in this way, is it more for just like a pre-assessment? Will we really get a full doctor's appointment out of a telemedicine consultation as a like as a as a patient, rather than just what we would call in an emergency room like a triage? If I if I'm not feeling well, and let's say I have just a general case of flu, I'm not not talking any COVID-19 or anything like that. And I don't have a chronic condition. I'm not feeling well. So is it that telemedicine is going to be used just as a general like, okay, these are your symptoms and then go here, go there, rather than really have a, a good, thorough, full kind of checkup? Is it possible to have a checkup in telemedicine? Uh it will be there, and the technology is available, I, but I don't think that anybody now uh, has it in the UAE. What I mean by that is uh, technology-wise, for example, there is a very simple, like my mouse size of a device that I can send it to your home, and by putting it on your chest, I can get your EKG uh, taken. I can listen to your heart from the other side. I can, uh, you put it on your mouth, I can see your, uh, you know, go to do the examination. So that technology is available, and once that's done, uh, the most of the uh, electronic exam, I call it, will be done, right? As well as that we can today, uh, it's possible to do laboratory at home. Uh, someone can come in, get your blood, and your blood, entire blood uh, profile could be done uh, at home. So when, if a doctor has all of these data coming in, I think that uh, most of the checkup could be done other than you know, if you need other uh, interventional things in your checkup, like colonoscopy, mammography, etc. Uh, but most of it could be done with the technology in place. And okay. Is it available? Anybody providing now in UE? I, I don't think so. But it's it's a, it's a possible. Very soon, we're going to be able to do that as well. Okay. We have so many questions coming in. I love it. This is like one of the most interactive call that we've had. And some of these questions are questions I have for you as well. So I, I want to make sure we get to those. So you mentioned, and one of my questions was security, right? And you mentioned that Zoom is not probably the safest way to be doing this. So what would you suggest other than Zoom to have a call? Right. I mean, I don't want to put Zoom on the, on the spot. I meant by even like a, a WebEx or, a, you know, go to meeting and, you know, hang out, et cetera. So those are the ones that uh, we in the physician side that uh, cannot really uh, connect to our medical record system. So what I have to use, say, let's say that I'm a physician now, today I'm doing consultation. And if I see you, whatever that I see, I, will, I should be able to connect that information to your medical records. And if you don't have a medical record with me, uh, your file, I need to be able to open a new one. 
and I need to be able to put my prescription in it to be able to send it to you. So none of these are available in Zoom. That's what I meant by that. And so what we use, we use a specially designed application or solutions, either in the clinic management systems that all of you have electronic records here in UAE and quite you know advanced UAE in that sense. Uh, so we are all uh, you know paperless most of the places. And so it needs to be either inside of that or needs to be a separate application that connects to that. So that way, your data protection is much more clear for, for, for the authorities, but also for, the, uh, for us, for the healthcare professionals. Great. So there's specific dedicated programs that would be used. And then from the patient side, then, if I'm a patient, does that mean I have to download something extra? And do I need to be really technical, logically savvy to be able to do all this? I think that's a concern for a lot of people. Yeah, most of the solutions are that they'll, they'll give you a link that you download from, uh, a, 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 you know, Apple Apple Store or a, a Google Android Store, and pretty easy to use. So you can do it through the app. Some of the uh, places that do they do through online through web uh, their online websites. So either way that you can do it. Uh, but obviously, we use so many applications now; it's easy to download to do it on your phone too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then the continuing on that question, which actually there's two questions that relate to insurance. So it's kind of looking at it from both sides. So one, do insurance providers here, are they covering telemedicine yet? And the second part of that is what is the requirement for the insurance providers to cover teleconsultation? Yeah, uh, not every insurance provider, but some insurance providers already are covering the tele, telehealth. Some insurance companies, actually international ones, have their own physicians, uh, family medicine physicians, to do that. I'll give you, uh, I, I hate to give you know names, but for example, Aetna uh, here, they have their own department does that specifically, but others also cover. So I would suggest to check with your uh, healthcare provider that which insurance company does it. But major big ones are really covering now. What is required is a think of a simple physician visit. You call your uh, provider, uh, then you um, ask for a teleconsultation, you get a booking, and they put you on the uh, spot and slot, and then you, that time, that day, and you have the call. So that's how the teleconsultation is now done today in overall. But also you can, I was saying that you can also, uh, some insurance companies, a check with your insurance company, have some numbers you can call anytime. Even some of them are available for 24 hours and depends on the insurance company. And you can call a physician, get a consultation online immediately. Okay, great. And so this is an interesting question. How would you define monitor? And uh, Christian says, what I understand is that monitor by definition needs active engagement reading the data continuously and actively follow up. I have a feeling the word monitor is used too lightly, or is that just me? No, um, monitor is absolutely the is definition as someone looks at your data and continuous basis. That's what then it becomes real monitor. Uh, that's what I was trying to say, that if, you're, if I receive your data and comes in front of my screen that I look at it and I make some clinical decisions or suggestion to change course of action for your care, that's called monitoring. If the data comes in a place and goes in the cloud or whatever, but nobody looks at it, it means nothing to us. So when you look at it from the um, diabetes point of view, 
And when you visit the doctor, whatever the frequency you go, every, hopefully maybe every three months, every six months or whatever, this was the only time the doctor gets your data from the uh, whatever the tracking mechanism you use, maybe manually, maybe through the pump, maybe maybe other, other methods. So then they look at retrospectively, what happened to you in the last XX months? But when you do uh, real-time telemonitoring, uh, that, that, that day and in that week, I see what's happening with you. Uh, so every time that you check your uh, blood glucose, I can see it. Then interaction is the following. The person looking at that uh, data should be able to send you or talk to you, send you a text message and remind you of something, or maybe things are not going well, and then you keep reading it high uh, on, on like next couple of, last couple of days. Maybe immediately schedule a quick call to see what's going on to support you. Uh, that's real telemonitoring. And this service is available, not in many places, and, but um, actually that I, 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 the company I used to work that uh, very recently I left uh, has that uh, services. Uh, so they can really follow and then they can provide support by the nurse educator. And even sometimes that if someone um, elderly forgets to check the blood glucose that morning, sends a message to tell you that you forgot. This is the time to check your blood glucose. Great. Yeah. And from actually where I'm looking at it, I'm actually happy that this is finally happening because the really amazing doctors, I don't think we have any of them on the call, but there's a lot of endocrinologists in Dubai that follow their diabetes patients that use Dexcom, which is a particular continuous glucose monitor that's constantly measuring your blood sugar. And that has a share option with an app, and you can see it through your phone. And particularly when it comes to new type 1 patients, those doctors are following those patients. They're giving feedback to the patient or the parent, and they're already doing this. And like 24 hours a day, just one doctor or a doctor and a nurse in a clinic. It's amazing. So the fact that it's now kind of coming together to be more of a comprehensive institutionalized thing is so much better for doctors and patients because it's exhausting the doctors that were, were doing it without the support. Um, Lori says if, you know, someone has a blood pressure monitor, glucose monitor, thermometer at home, plus the physician seeing you on the video screen as well, then she can see how it can be very effective. And she says also for specific conditions that are safe to monitor daily, heart failure, diabetes, kidney disease. Are there any conditions that have already been really studied that it's best to do them with telemonitoring or it's safer or you get better results if you do it? Would you say that there's any conditions that it's a perfect match for? And are there any conditions? I mean, you pointed out a few procedures like colonoscopies and stuff like that, but are there any conditions where you would say it's not very common to do telemonitoring? Well, the, uh, I will tell you, diabetes, hypertension, and COPD, uh, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, are really the ones get most benefit from this. And the studies in U.S. and Europe and U.K. and shows uh, many different ways of not only uh, cost-saving matters for the healthcare system, but specifically for the clinical outcomes. Even uh, the program that we had, we did a very quick, uh, small study 
for the patients that we followed at home. So those are the patients, uh, adults, diabetes, and they have a nurse with them 24-7. And when we start using the telemonitoring with uh, uh, the nurse uh, educator, diabetes specialist on the screen looking at it, their hemoglobin A1C level within three months drops in average 1.5. Wow. So it's like within three months. So you can imagine that you already have a, a, some caregiver with you, and but specialist access is not that uh, immediate. When you put that immediate access, that uh, results are immediate. And so um, when they were going around nine, and we were able to bring it to seven uh, within three months' time. So the effect on the clinical outcome is amazing. As long as that that uh, monitoring is done um, by the in the by in the proper hands and continuously, uh, the problem we have in UAE, uh, these services or this uh, this yeah I mean this this not being covered by the insurance yet unfortunately, so that's why the the endocrinologists and doctors they are doing on their extra time through maybe quick messaging it looking at the results and giving feedback, um, but really is not insustainable in the end of the day. So uh, we are pushing really hard the payers, the government to include that service uh, is also for, you know, uh, covered. So you don't have to worry about it and you can really go get it from uh, whatever the uh, companies are providing it. And now a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Diapoint Coaching and Training. We offer different coaching packages to meet your different needs. Whether it's a quick start health coaching package or maybe a three-month coaching transformation that you're in need of, we can support you. We also offer some personalized health evaluations, diabetes doula consultations, and more. Please visit thediapointshop.com and visit our coaching and wellness page to learn more. If you're still not sure, sign up for a free discovery call. And we can talk more about what you're looking for, what your needs are, and about how coaching might support you. And it's free. Now back to the show. And David has a question. He said he's heard that drones can be used for medical support. Can you share your view on this technology? Yeah, uh, drones are uh, definitely used mostly now for medication delivery and specifically for uh, uh, remote areas. But especially when the COVID-19 came in, uh, it became a hot topic for us to use uh, drones more and more to be able to uh, send uh, medication to homes. Uh, so there's one area that I know is widely uh, planned and used. And, and also, uh, you know, obviously that you need to have someone on the other side to be able to put in. So you can actually put some uh, lab specimens as well. So... Let me let me explain it a little bit. So technology, you know, you know, came to a point that I do not have to send you a nurse to draw your blood for many tests. You know that is we can do it by you know finger uh, prick uh, very quickly. Not only for glucose, for many many things, even for uh, for the gene uh, testing. So you can imagine very simply that drone brings you a, a quick uh, laboratory kit. You do the test by yourself, put it back on, and sends it back. So that's the technology, that's the, how it's going to come into our lives. And very soon, not far, actually. Yeah, I think it will come soon as well. Yeah, Oslem knows an example of where a doctor's immediately following up with the patient um, with, you know, blood sugar um, that it might be out of range. And Linda has a question. How do providers 
or hospitals, clinics, how are they getting a patient's signature to process a claim or even to get consent? How does that work? Because, you know, when we go to the clinics, we have to sign so many papers about everything. How are they then getting the, the permission from the patient if you don't have the actual paperwork there? Yeah, that's a good point. So they, these are actually now covered in the regulations. In uh, Here in GCC, we have UAE and Dubai as the regulations for telemedicine. And Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia has the regulations for telemedicine. In those regulations, it clearly says that you have to obtain electronic consent for the patients uh, before you start. So the system that I was mentioning, that's why WhatsApp, Zoom will not work. Uh, system should be able to send you electronic consent. You can check and sign uh, that you will be able to get that service. Otherwise, it's not really secure. It's not really approved. Uh, it's not something that you should really rely on. Uh, th these are the only services that we should look after. Okay. And oh, another question just jumped in. Hi, Rudy. In your opinion, what are the steps that healthcare institutions and healthcare systems need to take in order to encourage the patients to trust and adopt telehealth services? That's an excellent question. I'll let him answer that one first, and then I'll read your second question. Sure. I think that uh, a couple of things that we need to do, first of all, education training uh, about what really the, uh, the telehealth means and what are the things that you need to pay attention when you get the telehealth services. For example, Maybe you know, you don't know, but telehealth services is, is licensed here in UAE. So not everybody can provide telehealth services. So they need to be uh, licensed by the authorities. So that uh, means it brings a lot of those consent form where you keep the records, etc. But also the other thing that it brings that you have to, as a healthcare provider, I have to train my uh, providers, whoever that is going to sit other side of the screen. Uh, so the, those are the physicians must be trained for telehealth services. So the reason is when I went to medical school, even like recent graduates, they never uh, was, they were not trained to do the consultation on the screen with the patient. But we were taught to touch the patient, to you know, to listen and etc. So now we're talking about total different technology. Even to be able to capture certain information from a patient, this is basically art of you know, medicine, is very different sitting down next to each other than doing on the screen. So that training must be there. Uh, the healthcare organizations must provide that training and then tell the public that their physicians or whoever is providing the telehealth is a trained, they need to train for that. They need to really tell that give the security to public that their information protected as they were in the hospital anytime they do. Whatever the security, cyber security we're talking about here, certifications, medical records, everything must be there. So healthcare providers, hospitals also inform the public what are the precautions they do uh, to be able to provide their service. That's great. And then his second question, telemedicine-centered programs have proven to help in chronic disease management. However, telemedicine services rely a lot on the engagement of the patients. No engagement means no data, no monitoring, um, no database consultation. So if your patient's not doing anything or not really interested in their healthcare, particularly in a diabetes context, um, how can you overcome that obstacle and that people want to think less about their disease and not be reminded of it because diabetes is super nagging like all the time. 
Right. So that's an excellent question. This is the next problem that we're actually trying to bring some solutions to it. We absolutely recognize the fact that we're talking about behavioral, behavioral change. And uh, that's a very long, uh, you know, battle that we're going to have to do it. But some of the ideas and solutions are in place now because exactly the reason that the patients are not engaged and or they might not get on the front of a screen or they might not do things. So now there are, we call it patient-facing applications. So those are the applications that will uh, keep the, and these are age-specific, by the way, and for children and different types of uh, applications, for other different types of applications, to keep them engaged with their applications. Maybe put a little uh, quick uh, gaming into that app so they can keep using that app, but they, they, that way that they will not forget putting their data because data collection for the chronic disease is the most critical thing for us. And whatever the data we can get is not necessarily glucometer. If you have the Fitbit, then I should be able to get that data as well. If you're uh, sitting down and doing a video game, the technology is available, by the way, that from your hand gestures, I can capture the data, uh, your movements and what you do. So any data related to you, as long as you allow me to look at, is you know, underlined, very important. I should be able to get it to manage the, your behavioral change, your, your uh, approach to the disease and all that. So I can intervent uh, in different things. But this is the next problem that we're trying to look at. There is no solution yet. Uh, ideas, some uh, small anecdotal pieces in place, uh, but not a, uh, in, in complexity yet. That's amazing. It's like we're, it's the future, but not. We're living the future, right? The hand gestures and monitors and, and the gaming and all of that. Um, I have one more question here right now from Christian not related to telemedicine really, but is a traditional finger, it's kind of related because is traditional finger pricking better or is it more effective to use a continuous glucose monitor in, in diabetes? I have an answer, but I'll let Dr. Sarper go. Please answer it, it's okay. <laughs> so, so what we're always taught, uh, yeah, I'm so sorry, but because my son wears a continuous glucose monitor and at the end of the day, that's another technology. And someone even in a group this morning that I support, they're all moms with, with newly diagnosed and some moms not newly diagnosed, but there's a mom in there with a newly diagnosed child. And one mom's from the UK and the first diabetes team that she had, the rhyme they taught her was when in doubt, pull the glucose meter out. So continuous glucose monitors, if they're showing a real high or a real low, they may need to be recalibrated. Sometimes, yeah, you might be really high and it's good to double check. Always the, the best source of truth is the finger. But the beauty of the glucose monitor is that you continuously know what your blood sugar is so you can make decisions. For us, what I go by, of course, I'm looking at the number. And if I have any questions, I will double check with a finger prick. But the glucose, continuous glucose monitor, the valuable information for that for me is the arrows up or down. You get one, two, three arrows up or down, depending on how fast it's going. That is usually correct. But still, we always double check with our, um, with our, with our fingers. So, yeah, I, yeah sorry. The, Go ahead. I, I, for, for me personally, I love glu uh, continuous glucometers uh, now. But also the, the way that we need to look at this, and for everyone, a different solutions will work. The importance is the outcomes. 
So as long as that we have uh, below the uh, targeted uh, hemoglobin A1C, we do not have any uh, side effects is coming up throughout the years. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, two fingerprints a, a prick a day might be okay. Uh, depends on, you know, what where you are. But specifically in the uh, type one, you're going so many ups and downs and during the day and it's not very stable yet. It uh, seems like CGM is much more effective to be able to manage that uh, quick changes. And also, if you're talking about it in telemedicine context, it's so much better because data is information at the end of the day, and the doctor can make decisions about your insulin or other medications or your care and what you need to do. And also, you can make decisions as well. So it just opens up a whole new dialogue. The more data we have, the better decision-making we can do. Someone, does the double-checking happen often? I No. No more than really the the... The particular CGM we use is required to be calibrated every 12 hours, and we rarely need to um, do it more than that. And then, so, and also another thing that I've been told that really helps getting CGMs and and any device that you might have accurate is make sure that you're really hydrated. So if anyone here is being monitored with with some device, hydration is important. Do type 2s wear CGMs? They do. I think it's more common with type 1s, but there are type 2s. If they're insulin dependent, they wear CGMs, or sometimes they may not wear it for a a long time. They may wear it just to understand uh, over a short period of time, a trend, what's happening with them, maybe to fine tune something, but they certainly can. At the end of the day, they probably use it less because it's more costly. Um, And with type 2s, the body is still producing some insulin, it's not as volatile as a type 1. Type 2s don't have as high a chance of having a DKA, for example, those kind of things. So it's more common for type 1s to be um, monitored. Huh. Okay, here's a good question about telemedicine. What is the cost expectation like as a patient? And of course, it will vary from country to country. But what do you, or is there any data or indication of what we can expect the cost will be? Like, will we be paying the same price that we would if we're going to our doctors or will we be paying less because we're not actually going to a building now? Yeah, so it should be less. But today, uh, because of COVID-19, the prices are not settled yet. You can get a a teleconsultation, depends on the uh, hospital. Uh, 200 durham to 300 durham but if there's insurance pays for it obviously that's that's okay your insurance doesn't cover and then you they have a payment mechanism quickly either you send the bank or you do quick uh, credit card payments online and uh, then they're okay but this is for a one-time consultation so there are also models that uh, available that you uh, sign up for an annual subscription uh, for teleconsultation you pay a certain fee a month, and that, that is as low as could be $20 or $15 a month. And then you have access to a physician to be able to talk to. So there are subscription models like that. We will see more and more those coming to UAE. I think there's, uh, I heard one uh, that you can pay very minimal amount, but you need to commit like a 12 months commitment for that monthly payment. But you have an access, so there's an unlimited uh, numbers of uh, calls that you can make it to doctor with that. So, uh, yeah, I think that the, the pricing will settle a little more. Uh, normally, 
it shouldn't be 200 250 uh, dirham it should be in my opinion not more than 100 dirham uh, or maybe even in 70 80 but it will come through because more people are going to be uh, providing this uh, almost every clinic i can tell you they are either uh, try to create their own or look into the companies that can bring put into their uh, clinic to be able to do it telemedicine actually interesting enough uh, you can even imagine that your dentist will do teleconsultation with you very soon. How will that be? I was just one, honestly, because I was thinking of this interview last night. I was like, well, I guess in my head, I said, I guess that won't work for dentistry. Please tell me how that will work. So uh, <laughs> David's got a demo. <laughs> so it's obviously like they, they, you're going to have to put the, uh, the, the camera in your mouth and all that. So there's more of our like... Uh, initial quick exam to help you and make some decisions do you really need to go now or later um, but now i think the one clinic started the other one is about to start in ue so check out okay amazing i'll i'll find out which clinics those are guys and i'll send a follow-up and let you know that's very cool david has a very interesting question but i think that's a good question like to be the last one but i'll go ahead and ask it David's wondering, has anyone here had a telemedicine consultation before? I did. <laughs> Sarper has. Okay. Anyone? Anyone else? I guess my, the, the emails that I used to get after my son's diagnosis, because when Aaron was diagnosed, there was no pediatric endocrinologist in the UAE that I knew of at the time. Um, and the, a doctor from the US, I was emailing him. I don't think that really quite counts, but I, I was consulting with him through email. That's not telemedicine, but it was life-saving for me at the time. I need to add, event, because some people might be hesitant to get in front of a camera to, mm. you know, with a physician that they never met before, right? So you don't have to turn on your camera. So it's another thing, right? You can but still have from the... A, yeah. From a security perspective... Because would the doctor not need to confirm that it's you that he's really talking to to make sure for patient verification? How would that work? Through the, the signature, the consent that they're doing before they start the... Uh, okay, yeah. I, I have quality questions, but I'll say that's another call. And I'm sure my, my fellow former quality colleagues on this call know where I'm going with that. Um, Rudy, teleconsultation and telemonitoring are driving away the traffic from hospitals, which means less revenue generation for hospitals. How will we be, excellent question, how will we be able to get the healthcare institutions on board and not scare them away with telehealth and consequently have them push the patients against adopting this technology? Yeah, that's a perfect question. You know, the, 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 again, uh, how we convince them with the payment systems. Because now in UAE, uh, the clinics and hospitals, they get money, everything that they do, every additional test, every time they, they see you, they get money. But there are uh, payment systems in the world that they do not get extra money when they see you extra time uh, based on the disease that they have to follow. So through that payment mechanisms coming into a country, which are already actually coming, by the way, their interest will be for you to not to go even for a follow-up or not to go for a simple uh, visit, but rather they will focus on much more complex cases to really treat uh, much more deeper things. If you look at the hospitals and clinics in, in UAE, other than the much major uh, big uh, facilities, 
they don't really do complex cases that are like very rare. So uh, why I suspected why putting their resources to more that area, actually such a telehealth will even improve in their uh, uh, competency uh, and a complexity what they provide. But how we convince them is with the payments and that is already coming. So the, is a, if I am a hospital, I'm already get paid only for one price. I want to get you out faster. I don't want you to come back for uh, another follow-up. I rather do my follow-up on teleconsultations. Even simple with that, they will even push and say, don't come, we'll do teleconsultation with you. You will love it. You don't have to drive. You don't have to wait an hour and whatever, half an hour. It's a two-hour minimum visit if you look at the time from your life. And at the end of the day, when you do a follow-up, the doctor just looks at you. Do you have any complaint? Nothing. Thank you very much. And repeat the prescription maybe. This all could be done now online. Okay. Lori has an excellent question. And so many patients, this is one of the top questions of patients uh, from patients about telemonitoring. Does the convenience of telemedicine mean the quality of the consultation has the risk of being lower? Like the you're not going to get a quality checkup. And some patients, they even fear when they see telemedicine that it may not even be the doctor that they usually see that they're going to see. So they worry that it's not going to be as good as seeing the doctor in person. Right. I mean, I think that that suspicious should be stay in place until we build our trust to the system and trust to the doctors and we work with. But look at the telemedicine is more of your first step into the healthcare. So and what would I lose at the end of the day? Because if I have a simple pain and simple things going on, the doctor is going to be able to give me a prescription to say, you know what? you know, take this in a couple of days, see what goes, but call me back tomorrow. I think that already is happening in the clinics anyway. What will be the difference? And so I look at it that way, that if the doctor sees that you really need to go and see him or see somebody else, they will do say so. And that's why it comes to the, the responsibility of the healthcare organizations. When they put the telemedicine programs like this, they put actually guidelines for a physician. And those guidelines are international ones like done for by Mayo, Oxford and all and available that when they ask a question, when you answer this and they will should actually look into the next question. So there are a lot of guidelines for physicians to try to create a standardization to a certain level. And so uh, that's also another question we should ask those providers, what guidelines do your physicians use? And that will build a more quality and as well as our trust towards I'm sure in time there will be special, in a very short time, uh, telemedicine kind of quality certifications that people will be very quick to embrace. So um, how will telemedicine work for, say, an ear, nose, and throat exam? If you have a, you know ear problem or something like that, can this be discussed or diagnosed or is telemedicine good for this? So again, there are already devices available and we call them home kits and that I can send to your home that device that actually uh, check the ear, nose and throat with the connectivity, with the clear uh, directions from the physicians, how to hold it, put it, etc. Initial initial exam will be done today. And mm-hmm. I can send you a very simple EKG device home. You can even take your elect- EKG, electrocardiogram. And I can see it as well. So uh, those are available in UAE today. 
So uh, yes, you can do that uh, ENT, but obviously it's not deep uh, diagnosis or deep exam. But initial quick exam, but you, any uh, family medicine doctor does when you go to their clinic, you know, otoscope, etc. It could be done. Excellent. Huh? Aisha is a pioneer. She sent a video of her daughter's mouth to a dentist. He prescribed some medicines, and now she's fine. So okay. And I, I assume that video was even with an iPhone, unless you had some other special thing. Amazing. Question from Asla. Do you think there will be independent telehealth apps or will it go through a clinic always? Uh, there are independent uh, apps now in UAE. I, those are approved apps by the government. There are seven uh, approved telehealth uh, solutions, applications now, separate applications. And all the clinics uh, get the license to use those applications for their physicians as well. Yeah. Also, another area that reminds me that, you know, we're talking a lot about the physical, but I think also a lot of psychology clinics are embracing telemedicine as well. Yes, very important point. So uh, when I was talking earlier that I kept saying the healthcare uh, uh, professional or provider the other side, so uh, mental health is very, very critical. Uh, your coach uh, or your psychologist, you can do those sessions, again, through teleconsultation or a video consultation. is very important. Uh, but again, the, all the security safety things in place, as long as it's a, it's a medical, it needs to be a medical record. But as a simple advice, like a coaching, et cetera, is a different case. It could mm-hmm. be different. But if it's a medical record, and if it is a psychotherapy session, it needs to be recorded. So yes. then we from that angle. Uh, but other thing that I will tell you in telemedicine, what we can do now uh, is the telephysiotherapy. So uh, once you're diagnosed that musculoskeletal disorders are quite common and for not for only elderly, for active people as well. So instead of going all the way to the clinic three, four times a, a, de- a week for a physiotherapy sessions, once that physiotherapy your program together, there are certain applications that you can use at home without going to clinic. So that's also coming to our life. Great. Yes, Oslam, I agree. We can have a quality brainstorm about how to review uh, telemedicine. That would be, and it, it, it would be fascinating and detailed and it's necessary going forward. Um, so Oslam that's on the call, she works for the Joint Commission International, and she is a hospital surveyor. So she's looking at this from the quality perspective. She's actually one of the people that is out there responsible for making sure the hospitals that we go to are of a very high quality. Um, so Lori's asking, so are you saying telemedicine is great for acute and chronic illnesses, but not for someone with an ongoing complaint or multi-symptom complaints that are persistent and undiagnosed. Also, this is being used, is this being used for injury assessment? Ah, uh, uh, not necessarily. I never, I didn't hear that. Uh, I never heard of that in, uh, done for injury assessment. Usually, when someone calls with injuries and for just a quick understanding, uh, uh, tele telehealth consult- consultants usually ask them to go to hospital. That's a routine routine answer. So. Yeah, we, I don't think we are there yet, Lori. Ah, but it's a good segue actually to Della's question because, so Della is with David. She says, for housebound patients, could you have a nurse with them when they speak to the doctor? 
Yes, and that's uh, is available in UAE now. Uh, some of the, the so the 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 company I set up this service has nurses, so you can have a couple of uh, ways to do that. Either uh, if there is someone with that bed bound patient twenty four seven, we can train that person to start with to be able to talk to the doctor, or a nurse can make a visit and uh, with actually much more complex devices even, we call it like mobile home kits, something that nurse can use. And then with that data, and uh, the consultation will be much more uh, uh, complete. Excellent. So it is four o'clock and I didn't have to ask so many questions because most of what I had to ask, you all ask and then some, it was amazing. I wanna be mindful of the time because some people are working um, or fasting and Ramadan hours and different things. Thank you all so much for joining. It was great to see your faces. Um, thank you so much for the interaction. And we will look forward to seeing you all, maybe again virtually, but hopefully face-to-face -face very, very soon. Yes, thank you. Thank, and th special thank you to Dr. Sarpertanli for joining us today and giving us so much insight into telemedicine and what we can expect from our doctors, hospitals, and clinics and healthcare providers going forward. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Take care. Be safe. Just want to thank Dr. Sarper Tanley again for joining us for that discussion back in 2020, where we talked about what exactly telemedicine is, how it works, how it can support the treatment in diabetes and other conditions, and some really fascinating things like dentistry and other things that you wouldn't even think of could be done remotely. Um, but it's really great, you know, in the times of COVID or not, that we're able to do this because it can help more people in a much shorter time. Or if you're far away from an area of expertise that you don't have access to, it helps open up access for a lot of people. So thank you all very much for joining us today. Please don't forget that anything you hear on Diapoint, you should follow up, ask your doctor, ask your, your diabetes team and other medical providers. If you like what you heard, please leave us a comment or share it with somebody that you know. I look forward to seeing you again next week.